Hello, Devoted Geeks, and welcome to this very special Extra Tuesday. We wanted to let you know that uh, a couple weeks ago, Dallas had a really cool opportunity to preach at our home church, and he also got to preach for the online broadcast. So we decided we would go ahead and put it up here, let you uh, experience that as well, even though you're not on our church's page. Also, if you want us to come to your church to preach, you can let us know. Or if you're thinking about it, but you're like, they do devotions, but can they preach? Dallas can preach. And you should watch this video. So with all that being said, here we go. Thank you for inviting us to wherever you're at today. I'm Dallas, your student pastor, and I am excited to be with you guys as we continue our conversation talking about kingdom language, language that's within the kingdom of God, that's found in the scriptures that perhaps has either been misused by the church or has been lost by the modern church for various reasons. And we've gone through some, some pretty prominent, amazing words over the last several weeks, talking about the preeminence of Christ, miracles, and, and all these other things. And today, we're talking about a very particular word that's it's common, that sometimes people have a misconception of what it is, and that word is the body of Christ. Now, you, you're, you're going, Dallas, what does that mean? What are we talking about with the body of Christ? We are talking about the community of, of God, the church as a whole. It's called the body of Christ. But to understand what it is and how we should respond with it, I want to take us back to the very first mention of the body of Christ in scriptures. It was first pinned in a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, and it says this, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of of it. This is the first time this passage was written. Paul the Apostle wrote this as he's writing to a church in an area called Corinth. Now, Corinth was a interesting place. It was not a great place at all. Corinth was a, a major hub for commerce and people passing in and out. And because of the nature of things going on and some of the society that took place there, it was a very sinful area. Sin was rampant in this area, and unfortunately, there were those within the community, the Christian community, those who were believers in Jesus, who allowed the influence of the world to influence them. And Paul was writing to this church in Corinth to bring some correction over some terrifying things. He was bringing correction about some, some fighting taking place within the body of Christ, incest, adultery, lawsuits, and other terrible things that Christians those who profess to know Jesus were involved with. Now, before this verse, as he brings correction to these various things, including the use of the gifts, the way that the gifts are used within the body as a whole, he, he has this interesting conversation because there seems to be some division even amongst the people, and there was some jealousy within the body about these gifts. Some people weren't happy that certain people operated in certain things, and some people weren't happy that some people operated in other things, and some people weren't happy that others didn't operate in other things. And so all this is taking place. And here he begins with the idea of the body of Christ. If we go down to verse 12, that same chapter, it says this, 12 and 13, for just as the body is one, and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, 
are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were made to drink of one spirit. With this verse right here, the first thing we learn about the body of Christ, about the church as a whole, is that we are on equal ground. What does the verse say again? Jews or Greeks, slave or free. What does that tell us? That tells us that it doesn't matter our ethnic background or our social status in life. It doesn't matter what's taking place. We are in community. We are one body, one family. There is no room for racism and classism within the body of Christ. We are in this. If you say, I follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior, we are now in community. We are now in the same body. We are on equal ground. There is no difference between us. We are serving one Lord. We are one here at the church. We call it one serve team. That's the first thing that we learn about this is that there's equal grounding. There's far too many people who have a mentality that where they are in life or where they come from gives them a step up in life. It gives them a step up over individuals, and that is not the case. We are on equal ground as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ. And as we read on, it's not just that one person, it's not just one person who makes up the body. But each person and their giftings make up the body of Christ, and each person is needed. And we read that through uh, from verses 20 through 26. Let's look at that. As it is, there is there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And those, I'm sorry, and our under, under, <laughs> unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the bot, to the part that lacked it, and that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So considering this passage, considering this principle, we must consider a few things about the body of Christ. First off, and this is a big deal, we can't have a Superman syndrome. Now, that's a strange term for some of you guys. Let me explain. Superman syndrome is simply this. You cannot be the only person who does everything. You do not have the ability and the power and the strength to do every single thing in the world much less in the church. And by church, I don't just mean this local body. If you're part of, the, of our THP community or here locally, I don't just mean THP Shreveport. I don't mean just your local church. I mean the body as a whole. You cannot do everything. You've got to have people who come beside you. You have to have people help you. But far too often, people think that they are the only ones who can do these things. This mentality leads to a level of elitism and isolationism. And more times than not, 
it leads to a spiritually dead leader in a hurt community. A leader who's dead because he's, he's exhausted, he's fatigued, and he's burned his way out both edges, and then he starts to make compromises on what he can handle. Why? Because he's trying to do it all on his own. And then a hurt community, because then you have people who have been hurt because of the overpromises of a person who's trying to be Superman, or a hurt community, because that one leader, in an attempt to do everything, has made his community feel like they can do nothing, feel like they are less than. I'm telling you right now, if you give a project to somebody and they do something, let them do it. Don't come behind them and go, no, no, no. Now, there's a difference between leading and guiding and helping somebody to become better, but to demean them and put them down and say, well, you're not good enough. That wasn't good enough for what I want. That's damaging to the body. And again, it goes back to the whole conversation. If you have the Superman mentality, it leads to certain things. And you begin to isolate yourself from the body, realizing because you don't realize you need them. The second thing we need to keep in mind is we cannot have it's a his job mentality. Sadly, some in the church do get to this point where they think, well, it's not my job to do this. It's not my job to clean the toilets. It's not my job to serve in the kids' church, to serve snacks in the kids' church, to work the counter at the kids' church. It's not my job to mow a yard. It's not my job to greet people. It's not my job to do discipleship and to teach people and to train people. It's not my job to evangelize. That's your job. That's the pastor's job. That's Pastor Dana's, Pastor Scott, Pastor Matt, Pastor Rick. That's the elder's job. This mentality of it's always somebody else's job is dangerous on many levels. If I were suddenly to go out there and go, hey, I'm not going to use my left hand at all. Put it away. My left hand is too good to be used for certain things, period. I'm going to leave it to the side. It may have a task to do, but I'm not going to use it. You're only going to use my right hand. What's going to happen is a few things. One, there are going to be some things that just won't be done correctly because it's only my right hand. And there are things in life you need two hands, my friends. I know some of us like to drive one-handed, but sometimes you need two. At the same time, what takes place is very fascinating. The right hand will become fatigued and become weak because it can't keep up with demands being put upon it. At the same time, the left hand becomes weak because it's not doing anything. It becomes a weak member of the body and not in a good way. It's just because it's lazy. Basically goes, I don't want to. When we have the mentality of it's always somebody else's job, we are hurting the body as a whole because we're fatiguing the members who are having to now pick up your slack and they are becoming weakened because they're fatigued and they're broken and things aren't getting done correctly. And then at the same time, because you will not take place in the body because those people who have this mentality aren't participating and holding up what God's given them, they become weak too. They become weak Christians in the body. And things begin to fall apart. 
So we can't be supermen, and we can't have the mentality that it's always somebody else's job. We have to operate in what God has for us. And that's the reality is that God does have a purpose for you. What does verse 18 says? It says, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. God has placed you in this body. He has put you in the body of Christ, and he has a task for you. He has a job for you. He has a place for you to serve and to do things because you are valuable. You have a thing to do you have to do in this body. The trick is are you willing to go to your leaders and go, hey, how can I serve? How can I help the body grow? What needs to be taken care of? Now, this is, again, another sticking point because what takes place sometimes is some folks, because there's a level of the it's-his-job mentality, they feel like some jobs are less than. They feel like jobs aren't worth doing. And they go, well, what's the point of me doing this? Well, let's look at that mindset through the lens of the scriptures. What did we learn from the passage that we just saw? What we learned is that each portion of the body is essential. And we are told that we should be sure to give honor to each portion and care for each portion. Each thing that's in the body of Christ, whether it's cleaning toilets, whether it's helping somebody with their, uh, with their finances, maybe it's, it's simply serving in the foyer and greeting somebody as they come into the church. Maybe it's simply being a person who I can call, that somebody can call and go, hey, I'm having a bad time, and you just listen. It's essential. It needs to be honored. Not just by the grander body, but by you. You should honor what God's given you. You should honor the place that he's placed you because it's the land that he's given you. It's the property. It's the thing that he's given you to serve. This isn't in my notes, and it may make it on my notes on Sunday, but <laughs> Pastor tells a, uh, loves to tell the story about Shama, who was a man in the scriptures. He was one of David's mighty men. He was given just a, a bean field, a simple plot of land. And you guys have heard this story. If you've been part of the THB online community for a long time, you know You've heard this story. What's the point of defending a bean field? The point was it was the task given to him by the king. The king said, this is your spot. This is where I need you. Protect this bean field. You are in a place and you're going, what's the point of me being here? The king placed you there. Honor that. Honor what the king has given you. Because he sees it as important and he trusts you to handle what's important to him. If it wasn't important to the king... He wouldn't care. He wouldn't have put somebody there. God's placed you in places that maybe you're uncomfortable. God's placed you in places that seem unusual, that seem less than, but he placed you there for a purpose because that place is important. And there are things inside of you, there are giftings inside of you that only you will be able to see and do specific things in those places. We also learned from this passage, though, that if one portion of the body is in pain, the entire body is in pain, and that we should respond together. This is a key aspect about the body of Christ that we have to remember. We're all in this together. We have to respond together. Years ago, I had surgery on my feet. 
And my foot during uh during one of the surgeries, my foot had swollen up to the size of a football. It was ridiculous. And I was on a morphine drip and I clicked that button, pain went away. And the pain was fine for a good little bit. But all of a sudden, the pain kicked back in. And when I say kicked back in, it was like a rushing wall. All of a sudden, I felt from my foot rising all the way up through my body to the top of my head, excruciating pain. And let me tell you, I'm grabbing that button, trying to get the medication to kick back in because I'm hurting. It's not just my foot that hurts. The entirety of my body is hurting, and it's responding, trying to figure out what it's trying to do. Instinctively, when it happened, I reached forward, trying to grab my foot, thinking I can hold my hand, my foot together to keep the pain down. Why? Because when the body is hurt, the body responds as a whole to protect what's going on. When somebody in the body of Christ is hurt, we need to come around them and help them and try to help them through the situation. Because it's essential. For the survival of the body. We had a serve team celebration recently, and we heard some great stories from people. One of them, we had a lady in our church, and her family lives uh, off the coast of the United States in Puerto Rico, and, and her family was going through a great travesty, and she had to go to be with her family to help them through this time. And during that time frame, there's a lot of heartache. There's a lot of things taking place. And when she came home, she was sad. There was things missing in her life because of what took place back home. And the body came together. She shared the story about how people were coming to her home to encourage her, to feed her family, to simply listen to her, to pray with her. And the comfort that brought to her, simply listening, simply taking time to be present, brought healing for her in that moment. Several weeks ago, and by weeks ago, I mean months, <laughs> we had a huge storm in the state of Louisiana. And we had a tree branch at my mom's property, huge, mass. I mean, it was the size of a tree almost, fall on my mom's house. And God did a miracle in that, even protecting my family. But this thing was huge, and it was on my mother's house. And she's trying to figure out how to take care of it. We're trying to figure out how to, to get it off her house, to get her okay. And it's expensive for tree removal. I don't know if you guys know that. And I was so thankful because the body responded. There's a group of men in our church who came together, a couple of retired guys, a couple of guys who are a bit younger. There was a young man in his early 20s, and they all came to my, my mom's house, brought, a, brought a, uh, some equipment, some rope, and some chainsaws. And on the hottest day of the summer, <laughs> risking sunstroke, we cleared the property, we took care of that. We got this massive tree off my mom's house so that the repairs could begin. See, serving, responding to the body takes on many forms. Sometimes it's physically going to a person's house and taking care of things, but sometimes it's just being present and listening. When the body is hurt, we have to respond together to care for each other. And then we also learned that if one portion is honored, we are all honored. We should celebrate the accomplishments of each person. Like I said, we had a serve team celebration, and um, we, we didn't get a chance to do this then, but we're doing it on, on the sun, this Sunday. We're doing this. We ordered some coins. Uh, these are really cool uh, for our serve team folks. Just to say thank you. It's a small little memento. 
And um, it's funny, we, we were talking about what we were going to do for the team. And I looked at our lead pastor, uh, Pastor Scott, and they're like, well, what do you guys think? Should we do, should we, you know, do certain things? Should we get paper? I was like, look, here's what I know. If we give them a certificate, it's going to get thrown away. <laughs> but I have in my wallet a small token that was given to me 20 years ago from my youth pastor. I said, give them something with weight. And so we did. We made these coins. They say, uh, I said yes. It says, be no do. And we're giving this to our serve team today. But during the, the actual event that we were supposed to have these at, <laughs> we took time to honor everybody. We celebrated everyone who serves, from the, the serve team who helps greet at the door to the, our readiness team, who people don't even know, <laughs> to our media team, to every portion of our worship team, to our small group leaders, to our cook team the people who serve in our kitchen, the people who set up tables at events. We honor these people. Why? Because we understand that when we honor each other, the body of Christ as a whole is honored and ends uplifted and enjoyed and encouraged and inspired. So let's keep moving. We have to celebrate other people. You may be walking a track and doing your own thing, and you may be going, I've been steady. I have nothing's been going on. I've been good. But then you look over, and perhaps there's some people that have been walking with you that they've been struggling. They've been going through a hard time. Maybe they've missed up a time or two while serving. But now they're starting to catch it. Now they're starting to grow. Now they're starting to move forward. We need to celebrate the victory taking place in their lives. We don't need to be like the jealous brother who was always faithful, and then he's jealous when the prodigal son comes home. We need to celebrate that, and we need to grow together. Why? Because that's the point of the body. When one is honored, all are honored, and we need to be intentional about looking opportunities to honor. We need to be intentional about looking for opportunities to encourage and go, that is amazing. I'm so proud of you. You did such a great job. Why? Because it's important. And we're going to get into a little bit of that here in a little bit. So now that we understand what the body of Christ is, how, what do we do? How do we respond? The first thing is this, and this is key, this is big, this is monumental. We love each other. We love each other. 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. If you guys follow our podcast, The Midweek Move, which is a Bible study podcast we do here at the church, you guys know all about 1 John because we just finished doing an entire series on it. But it says this, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. From the beginning, from the beginning of things, you heard this message. You should love each other. And the question becomes, well, well, where did this message come from, Dallas? Where does it say that? That's, that's John. I get it. He's an apostle. It was a disciple. But, I mean, come on. Well, let me take you back to the previous writing of John's. John chapter 13, verse 35. Some of you, your Bibles are, have this in red, which isn't necessarily an important thing, having your Bible color-coded, but it helps because you understand that that is the words of Jesus. And it says this, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. 
catch this, Jesus is saying, this is the thing, this is one thing, one important aspect that if you're walking in, people will go, that's the disciple of Jesus. This person's doing this thing. This is a key marker. This is a key aspect that tells us that this person follows Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. What's he say? If you have love for one another. If we have love for one another, people will go, man, that's the church. That's what Christians are. That person follows Jesus. That grouping over there in a building that's called a church follows Jesus. That's who these people are. It's essential for us to love each other, to love people. Now, some people have a problem loving people. It's a struggle for some reason. You look at a person, you go, I don't know if I want to love them. There's a fleshly thing in it that we, we struggle with. I want to encourage you that if you're struggling to love people, maybe a person, begin to pray for them regularly. Now, be sincere about it. Don't be like, Lord, will you please bless them with a new job five states over? Don't do that. <laughs> I mean, listen, needing a job. <laughs> Don't do that. But pray for them. Pray for people. Pray for the person who you're struggling with. You're thinking about them right now. There's a person in your life that you're like, man, I just... Woo! You're thinking about him. You're getting hot on the inside. You're like, I don't want to deal with this person. And Jesus says, love them. Love that person today. But Jesus, you don't understand what they did. You don't understand the way they act. You don't understand the way that they talk. You don't understand the way that they smell. You don't understand what they did before they started coming to my church. Love them. with everything in you. Begin to pray for them. Begin to let down those guardrails that you put up. I understand some people, you got to keep a distance for your safety for certain reasons. I understand that. I'm not debating that. But begin to pray for people. Begin to love people. Some people feel unloved and unseen, and they need others to go out of their way to make sure that they are seen and loved. There are people in your church who show up. They're trying, but they feel unseen. They feel unloved. There's nobody that greets them. There's nobody that loves them. And they need somebody to do that. You guys remember earlier I said, that within the body of Christ, we can't have, well, that's their job. I'm telling you this right now, if you see somebody right now in front of you, if you see somebody in your church, in your community, and they are alone, they have been isolated, it may be that God's brought your eyes to them so that you can be the person who loves them. So you can be the one that goes to them and says, hey, what's your name? How are you doing today? What's going on? What brings you around? How can I... Pray with you. Simple. 
It's not hard. It's not complicated. Well, Dallas, I don't know the person. It's okay. So I said, start off with, hi, how are you? What's your name? And then it starts. It begins this journey called relationship with people. People need that. They need somebody to go out of their way and do that. There are far too many people who are just lost, and it's simply a matter of nobody taking time to see them. Now, I'm going to say this. I'm going to put this out there. I'm going to be very real with you. There are some people who make it very hard to be loved. (laughs) Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. I have seen, I've dealt with some people who are like, well, I don't like that church. Nobody nobody cares about me. And I've talked with them, and I've walked through some stuff with them. I said, look, here's, if I can lovingly say this, perhaps some of the struggle is you're not friendly. You've not let down your own, you have put up walls around you to protect yourself for one reason or another, has led you to be unfriendly toward people, so when they try to, you push them away. In the body of Christ, we have to be cognitive about seeing people and loving on them. At the same time, we have to be willing to let down the shields to let people into our hearts, to let people into our lives so they can love us. Love is a two-way street. We have to let people in, and we have to let ourselves out to love people. That's how it works in the body of Christ. And it's hard, it's difficult, especially when you're looking at people and you're going, man, but Dallas, do you understand what they've been through? Do you understand the things that they've gone through? Let me tell you something. It doesn't matter where they've been or what they've done. If Jesus has redeemed them and he has saved them, there is hope and salvation that's taken place. There is a new person that's there standing inside of you and they need grace. They need hope. They need encouragement. And that's the next thing. We need to encourage each other. Colossians chapter 3, verse 14 through 16 says this. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. We are called to love each other and encourage each other. That is our job, is to encourage. Yes, there are some people who have the legitimate gifting of encouragement. That is a legitimate gifting. But just because that's a, a specific calling for some people, we're still called to do that in some fashion. Every person is called to encourage other individuals in the body of Christ. We need to celebrate the victories of others. We need to lift people up when they are down. We don't need to be sideways about this. We have to encourage people. And sometimes it's reminding them of who they are. Unfortunately, there are some people in the church who haven't done a great job of that. And they've allowed their view of a person's past and their previous lifestyle to dictate how they see them. And not being very encouraging. Years ago, I had a... uh, a friend who had a very promiscuous lifestyle before they came to Christ. 
And because of the lifestyle they led, because of, their, of the things that they did to their body, they had hurt themselves on the inside, literally. I remember one time they called me sorry. Because this person simply wanted to be a mother one day. Now that she was in Christ and she had a biblical view of things, she wanted just to be a good mom. And she was told that it may not be possible because of the things that have happened to her body. She was broken. Sometime later, she's doing some stuff and she's, she's trying to do life. Like every young lady, she would love to get married. And so she's doing the, the dating apps. And this is, early, this is before Tinder <laughs> and all that. But she couldn't find any men of God through these apps and these places that she was at and people who served Jesus and were honorable. And she had a person in the body of Christ, somebody who was close to her that should have known better to encourage her in a different way, look at her and say, well, you know, with everything you've done in life, you don't really deserve to be with a man who's kept himself pure with a man who's really all that righteous. You should be happy with what you get. And so she called me and she goes, this is true. Is this, this, is this really what it is? I don't deserve this because of what I've done in the past. And all I did was encourage her by reminding her of biblical truths, of what God has said. I said, look, sis, let me ask something. Have you asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins? Yes, I have asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins. And the scriptures does it teach that when Jesus forgives us of our sins, he wipes the slate clean as far as east is from the west, making this a new person. She goes, yes, he did. I was like, so does Jesus hold your sins over your head? No. Do you have to repent every day because of things you did in the past before you came to know Jesus? No. Then I said, if Jesus doesn't hold you to a standard like that, if he says, I have forgiven you, I've wiped away, I don't hold you accountable to those things any longer, why should I or anyone else? And it broke her for a moment. Because... There was no encouragement coming to her at the time, but now finally there was a spring coming forth of somebody going, Jesus loves you. I didn't do anything but remind her of the truth of the gospel. I didn't do anything but remind her of what the Bible says. I took time to love her and encourage her where she's at. And today I'm happy to report that she's a happily married woman. She's got several children now. <laughs> she's serving the Lord faithfully. Why? Because she submitted herself to the Lord, and there have been people. The outside, outside of me, there were other people who came up around her and encouraged her and walked her through things. We need to stop bad-mouthing people and making assumptions about people because of their lifestyle they had beforehand. We also need to stop making grandiose, broad statements about the body of Christ that are based on isolated incidents and have no basis in fact we have to stop going to Facebook to complain about the church as a whole. We need to be encouraging the body. Yes, we need to talk about issues sometimes, but oftentimes some of the issues people want to talk about are isolated issues. Talk to the people in the isolation. and Work it out. Lastly, we must mature together in love. 
Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 through 16 says this, So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We are not called to stay where we're at when we first get saved. We are not called to sit there in our Simple little faith. Well, I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins. <sighs> I'm going to go to the club tonight. <laughs> I've asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins. I'm going to go back to doing everything that I was doing that I know was sinful. Doesn't work that way. We're to grow. Well, I don't really like reading the Bible. It's hard for me to understand the Bible. So I got some Bible stories up here. And what my pastor says, that would be fine. I'll just remember some of that. No, no, no. Grow. Grow in the gospel. Grow in the body of Christ. Mature. And it takes a community to help each other do that. Far too many people have gone, come into the body of Christ. They've been like those who were planted. The Bible talks about this in the scriptures about, about seeds that were planted in places where thorns or rocky ground and sprung to life, but the cares of the world choked it out or they were scorched out. Why? Because there was nothing done to help it grow because it wasn't fertile land. People need help growing. We need to get involved with people's lives and help them to grow. When we see a person who's baptized, it's not just a declaration saying, I said yes to Jesus like you did. It's saying, I'm saying yes to the body. This coin we have here says, I said yes. We said yes to Jesus. We said yes to serving. We said yes to you. Far too many people have a mindset that they come to church to get their blessing, forgetting that they are called to be a blessing. We are called to bless each other and help each other out and help us to grow, to mature. So many people have fallen away from the gospel. So many people have fallen away from the church. So many young people have grown up in churches across the globe. And they go off to college. They go off to whatever. They leave mom and dad's home and they join the workforce. And they fall away because there were answers that were never answered. Because there are life skills that were never deposited and helped fostered. Some of it needed to be fostered in the home by their parents. Some of it needed to be fostered in the body. Let me tell you something. There's only so much a couple of people can do. We need people who are willing to step up and go, let me help disciple somebody. Let me help somebody grow. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be in a classroom teaching Bible study. It could be going, hey, I'm going off to work. I'm working on a side gig over here, putting a roof up. Hey, why don't you come with me to go do this? Discipleship. Helping each other grow. That's what we are called to do together. And it's hard sometimes, but it's necessary. Some of you, you need to grow in reading the Bible. 
Dallas, I know how to read the Bible. I'll tell you what, if you don't know how to read your Bible, I'm being real. I'm being real honest with you guys. Emails mediahub at thpstreetport.com today. I'm going to help you. We're going to send you some resources. We're going to walk you through some basics. Well, guys, I have a hard time understanding what it says. Hey, I got this resource called Midweek Move. It's a Bible study podcast. We're examining the scriptures line by line, verse by verse, asking ourselves, what does it mean in context? Let us help you. Well, Dallas, I just don't know how to pray. Hey, look, let me help you out here. Go to your room, turn off the lights, <laughs> turn off the TV, turn off the PlayStation, put your phone on mute, tell your family, hey, give me five minutes. Five minutes. And just say, Lord, I'm here. Listen to me. Let him speak through you. We help each other grow. I want to pray with you guys today. There's a person in the chat that wants to help you to grow right now. Leave a chat. Leave in the chat. Let them know how they can help you grow, how they can help you walk through whatever it is you're going through. Email us, mediahub at thbstreetport.com. Come by the church and let us pray with you, encourage you. Go to your local church. Go to a local community. Go to your lead pastors and go, Pastor, I need to grow in this area. Help me. And let them help you. You have to let go of some things and let them help you. I love you guys so much and I appreciate you taking the time to listen a little bit longer than normal for me. <laughs> but know that I love you genuinely care about you. The staff here, the team here at The Healing Place, the community here, we love you and we care about you. We pray for you often. And if we can't encourage you, email us, mediahub at thbstreetport.com. Love you guys. Have a great day.